Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by one of the men of Moses Lake Baptist Church. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, um, you know, as we know, here in the month of October, it's our, our missions focus month. And one of the things that I, I think this time allows is just for us to start to search our hearts and really see God, seek God's wisdom on what he would have us do through faith promise giving. So I wanted to spend tonight just a, a little bit to look at missions and then explore this idea of faith and how this affects us as Christians. You know, the last time I spoke, I, uh, I made a point that uh, God, you know, when we, when we look at missions, God doesn't need us, right? But our, our loving God chooses to allow us to partner with him through obedience. And I think that's one of the great things uh, about God is just his, his love towards us just says, hey, uh, I give you the opportunity to serve me, to, to partner with me. You know, I'll tell you a little story, and then I'll connect it here in a, in a second. In uh, 2019, February, I remember one day I was, I was sitting at work, and I had on my calendar the whole afternoon was blocked out by another manager I worked with, and it was blocked out for this meeting. I kind of knew what it was about, but wasn't sure what all I was doing. I just knew I was supposed to show up, bring a couple of my team members with me, and we were going to hash out. I, I don't even know. So... I uh, make it to the conference room. Tom's sitting there, the other manager. We both have a couple of our employees. And uh, we're, we're uh, kind of making some chit-chat. And because I didn't set the meeting, I'm not quite sure what the agenda is. But I'm like, man, that goes four minutes. And thinking we have the rest of the day that this meeting's so important for, it was five minutes, that we might, we're just going to chat around. I'm like, hey, are we going to start the meeting? Are we waiting for someone? And that's when a knock on the conference room door. I was like, oh, okay. Open the door, and there stands my wife. I'm like, I'm at work in a meeting. What are you doing? She looks at me, and she's like, let's go. What do you mean, let's go? She's like, let's go. I was like, I'm in a meeting. What are you doing here? Quickly, I look around the room, around this conference room table, and realize they're all in on it. They're all in up to something. And uh, my, my wife had, uh, had set this meeting. She called my boss and was like, hey, I'm going to take Dustin out on a date. It's Valentine's Day. And just gonna, if you could somehow block his calendar out so I know where to pick him up at. And sure enough, there she was. And this whole thing was a hoax and uh, kidnapped. But, you know... It was great. It was great. We went on a, a, a snowmobile tour. She had some dinner reservations. It was awesome. And um, you know what? I think about, okay, you're asking, what does this have anything to do with missions? It kind of doesn't, but I love my wife and love how she treats me sometimes. sometimes right? <laughs> so, no, this, this thought about missions really got me thinking about man's free will. You know, the fact that God gives us the, the ability to make decisions, make choices on our own. We're not just puppets of God, right? We have this free will about us. And, you know, it really stood out to me that though God doesn't need us, his love for us is so powerful, it motivates us to want to share the gospel, right? And it, we don't do it out of duty. 
We don't do it because we have pressure and we don't do it because there's consequences if we don't. Christians should have this love for mission simply because of our outpouring love for Christ. And just like Christy didn't go through a month of planning, kidnapping me at work, and having the surprise date for me because it was her duty, she did it out of because she loved me. At least that's what I think. There's nothing that I found yet, but it was a love for me, right? And so, you know, the crazy thing is, is, you know, come to think of it, Christy doesn't even like Valentine's Day. She, I don't know if you guys know this about Christy. She has coined Valentine's Day as Singles Awareness Day, right? And uh, she, from the moment I met her, stood on a soapbox, and she claimed to people that there shouldn't be a day set out that you're supposed to love someone, you're supposed to love them every day. I, I could stand up here all day, but I, I believe that, um, you know, that she wasn't doing this again because she felt obligated, um, but it was a genuine desire to make me feel valued. And I, I think that God has always supplied the church with faith, faithful Christians who serve as this biblical examples of missions. And that focus isn't always due to rationality. A lot of times that, that focus uh, comes from that love of Christ, and it's really expressed through a step of faith. So I, I just want to look at today um, why God has placed so much attention on missions, and then explore a little bit about faith and how he wants us to take a step forward. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into it here. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this evening. Thank you for a place to gather. I thank you for the freedoms that we have to uh, just be here and pray together, worship you together. And uh, Father, just hear from your word. I pray here tonight that, Lord, you would speak through me, that you would use this uh, message that, that I've prepared, Lord, that you would just, um, just bring the words to each one of our hearts. And uh, Lord, that you would... Um, just help us to focus on missions, and Lord, just to spread the gospel around this earth, because uh, we know that glorifies you, and Lord, that should be the focus of our life. We love you, and pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I look at missions, I really look that this work has to come from somewhere, right? Behind every missionary, there should be a church sending them. And we see this clearly in God's word from the beginning in the early church, you know, Paul used different people, different ways. However, um, a large part of his efforts went into training, uh, training Christians to be missionaries, uh, as well as um, believers, just to live out for God. And the goal of this cross-cultural mission work has always been to take uh, what God has built in one community and transport that into a completely different community, and one that's not always the same. I shared this verse this last Sunday morning, and Paul explains in 1 Corinthians, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he watereth, but God that giveth the increase. You know, no matter where God sends us, no matter where we go, he is always doing something bigger than we will ever do in that place. And that's one of the ways I think that missionaries... Um, can have the kind of support that they need to diligently labor is, is, to, is to find churches that will partner behind them, officially send them, pray for them, stand behind them in the hard times and say, hey, we are financially giving so that you can spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
William Carey, he was an 18th century um, Baptist pastor and or missionary. And he, he once said to a, a band of other Baptist pastors, um, he had this burden for India, India's ministries. He, he had this burden to evangelize into India. And uh, he said, well, I will go down if you will hold the rope. And then to that, the Baptist preachers responded back with an oath saying, while we live, we should never let go of the rope. And in other words, I think every believer is either a goer or a giver or a sender, right? And this is derived, we see this in some of the last words of Jesus. And I think that's a powerful image that that there's people on this earth willing to give themselves that God would use to send out, to put themselves in a new situation, somewhere that's uncomfortable, but they can't do it alone. They They can't fulfill what God has for them alone. And I I think of it kind of like this. Imagine someone trying to go down a cliff face, right? And they do it without the safety net below them. They do it without a rope holding them above them. It's It's a crazy thought to go down a cliff face with no security behind you. And I think it would be terrifying. I'd be riddled with fear, this anxiety. I probably wouldn't move too fast, and I'd probably want to let go pretty quick because... I'm going to die anyway, so, right? There's, might as well go. So, and, and I think there's, unfortunately, several, um, there's many missionaries who, who kind of have the same thing. Like, hey, I have a calling to go do the impossible, this cliff face, right? I have this, this calling to go do what's impossible before me, but I don't have anyone to support me below me. I have no one holding me up, no one behind me, and they often feel alone, and they go try to raise support week after week, and and God has this burden continually burning on their heart, and and God's waiting for his church to stand up and say, hey, I'm behind them. I'm behind, I gave them the burden. Now it's time for the church to stand up and say, hey, we're holding the rope, we're there. And I think that that you can understand this deep, powerful pull that that God has placed inside of people, and I'm I'm sure many of us in here for the, to see lost souls saved. And, um, you know, I, I think that we trust that God's going to provide through that. However, you know, unless we as local believers join, um, we're not going to see the work that God has for their lives, and he's not going to see the work that he has for our lives through that, and they cannot answer God's call. They can't fulfill that desire that God has placed in their lives, that desire that, that um, you know, each one of us called to pick up that rope and lower a missionary into where God has called them to be. If I could, let me, let me take this a step further. If I was just one person trying to hold on, maybe I say, hey, I'm gonna hold this rope, missionary over that, that cliff edge, I'm holding this one person up, right? I, I think it's gonna be difficult for the person overhanging, it's also gonna be difficult for me to hold them. You know, but what would it be if there were 10 people holding that rope? Could I maybe take a hand off and itch my face, take a drink of water, Maybe someone on the rope needs to go run an errand, right? Some Taco Bell needs to be had. We've got to hold this rope, right? So someone's got to, but, but one person leaving and nine people holding the rope isn't going to be as detrimental as only one person holding that. And I, and I think the person on the other end of that rope, how much more comfortable are they going to be to continue on the journey that they set out for? Because no matter what bumps or whatever comes their way, they know, hey, at the top of that rope, I got 10 people, or nine with the Taco Bell run, but 10 people holding that rope, right? 
And, and I think this is going to kind of be the same picture we see uh, with sending missionaries into the field, right? We can, we can help uh, to be missionaries by supporting those families. And, you know, even on a personal level, you know, if we, if we think, hey, we support our missionaries at 150, we're looking at $200 this year per, per missionary that we send out, how much less stref, stressful would it make for that missionary because all of those gifts that they get from different churches really help in their ministers, okay? You know, before Christ's ascension, he proclaimed to his, who his, to his disciples in Matthew 28, 18, he said, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We see here that based on the instruction of the Bible, that you know these, these missionaries in the New Testament and missions is the responsibility of the local church. But I also want us to see that it's contextual. Our goal in missions is we must seek to make sure that the truth of Christianity also makes it through in our mission journey. And that, that might be, you know, through, the, through context, through language, through a people group. You know, as the Bible says in Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. You know, the, the church is called really to, to bring the gospel unto every context in the earth, right? The, the church's task is to figure out how we take the gospel and reach unreached people. We take the gospel from our community and figure out how do we connect it to our neighboring community or to a community across the world. Think of it this way. Jesus proclaims in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Okay? So you think, I am the bread of life. But if you take a missionary, plunk them over in China, they're sitting next to a farmer in China, and the missionary says, hey, Jesus is the bread of life. He says, what's bread? Right? Maybe it's more contextually appropriate to say, Jesus is the rice of life. Wait, is that like a gluten-free option? I don't know. But Jesus, you know, you have to make it contextual, right? And so I, I think that's where, you know, when we look at, at missions, we, we've hold, heard stories of, of missionaries who have gone out and they struggle to really connect to who, they, who their audience is because it's their way of doing it. Or we did it back this way at home when really, you know, they think, hey, it's, it's, I can do this better. And I think, you know, there's a... Uh, a, a book out there, uh, maybe a poignant uh, point here, but there's a, a novel called The Poisonwood Bible. And it's about an evangelical family who travels from Georgia. They go to the Congo. It's based in the 1950s. And they go to bring the loss of Christ. And as they leave home, they have a 44-pound bag that they can take for each person. So they go out, they pack everything that they're going to need, to go to the Congo and lead people to Christ. That's what they think is most important. Well, the story through that book continues air after air, and the father tries unsuccessfully to incorporate his culture, the items he brought, the ways of life that he brought, and he took that to witness to them. And they find that, that the things that they brought really had no value to this new way of life for them, and it was, it was impractical. 
I don't, I'm not recommending reading the book. It was a, a bestseller, but uh, mostly it ends very sadly. One of the, the daughters died, the mother flees the country with her other three girls, and leaving the father in a stubborn, fruitless labor. And I think that, you know, I think this can be a powerful thought when we think of contextually, you know, we as Christians, we need to take the gospel relevantly out to all people. You know, news about Jesus will always transform the culture it enters. Christ will transform through his grace to those who have faith. We see in Luke 24, it says, and that, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You know, the beauty comes when we find and we meet people where they're at. We find and meet people where they're at, whether they're across the country, whether across the world, or right here in Moses Lake, we need to reach people where they're at. I love this verse from Isaiah in chapter 52. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publish peace, and bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. You know, even before Christ's time on earth, Isaiah says, how beautiful to bring good news. How beautiful to bring peace, to announce salvation. Why? Because God reigns. And the church has this vested interest in, in answering questions um, like, uh, that, that matter uh, of obedience. And God, um, God allows us to, to really evangelize to, to our unsaved neighbors. He allows us to you know, really look and say, hey, I have a heart for these people. And each person or each church should be asking themselves, you know, how can we communicate the, the gospel to every tribe, tongue, and nation? And the way that makes sense to that tribe, tongue, and nation. And, you know, the biggest question is how do we do that without compromising the gospel? And I think that brings me here to my next point is missions must be evangelistic. You know, Jesus used a, a unique method to draw people to himself. You know, did you ever wonder um, why God focused so much on the humanitarian needs and uh, on the efforts that he put in? He met the basic needs of people before he could meet their greatest need. However, if, as missionaries, if we have this sole focus on people's humanitarian needs, a lot of times we can miss the point of their greatest need, right? And I'm not arguing that missionaries should not do things that better people's lives, I'm not saying that humanitarian efforts are unbiblical or unnecessary. However, I'm saying that these, these, these things that they do, these efforts that they take, must be all rooted and focused in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. First Chronicles 16.24 states, Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. You know, I think this is the very reason our, our church supports missionaries, whose focus is to save the lost and to disciple those who have been saved. And there are many ways to do this, but their focus should always be evangelistic. As, we, as believers, we know that our goal is to become more like Christ. And if, if Christ spent his earthly ministry pointing people to God, then maybe we need to imitate our lives and point people to God, Okay. Luke uh, 4.18, Jesus applies a principle from Isaiah 61. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, 
and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus himself was sent by the Father, and his approach to cross-cultural mission work um, was, was more than um, was more than that. It was a certain kind of ministry that said, hey, this isn't about me, but it's about what can I sacrifice for God. In Matthew 20, 28, it says, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Moreover, his ministry did not presume um, of his divine status, but it really leveraged it to serve his mission Since Christ, as Philippians says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You know, I think missions reflects this this, um, uh, character and, and the purposes of God in Christ. In Romans, we see, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Guys, that's why we do missions. Because God ordained the local church, and it's contextual. It's evangelistic, and most powerfully, I think it imitates Christ. And missions can be this this deeply biblical process that enables rich ministry work to be done, and it builds these everlasting relationships that are made with sending churches. It prompts hearts to really go on and be, um, you know, uh, uh, on fire for God to to preach the gospel that, 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 you know, that work that God does inside us. And I think that term missions, we can often mishandle that term, but we must not uh, forget that God's missional heart for his people cannot be overplayed in that, okay? Just because we can overplay the word missions, we cannot misplay what God has for us. So in that, you know, God, I think, has given every human a mission. Uh, Some know their calling is to, to preach Some it's to preach to underserved um, locations. Some it's to support the local church. And I'd ask you tonight, if you don't know where God is leading you, then this is something that we need to get figured out and and ask God, hey, God, where would you have me be involved with missions? Where is my place? And I think this brings me to, to the next part here is this is, I think, where faith enters in. So we talk about missions. We know why we do missions. We know why we're called to do what we do, but how do we as a local church put some speed behind that, put some effort behind that to say, hey, not only we know what to do, but let's go do it. And I think we've looked at several points that are, you know, that recognize the importance of missions, but how are we motivated into action for missions? And I think the, the, the first point in that is it takes faith. It takes faith. And not just that trivial, like, hey, just have faith through it. No, it takes that real, earth-shaking, life-changing faith that motivates us. It motivates us almost till it hurts. In Hebrews uh, 11, 1, we'll focus here for a minute. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. You know, I think man is quite an amazing creature that God has created. We're, we're kind of put at this pinnacle of creation, We've been given these marvelous abilities, and uh, we can communicate with others. We can communicate with the world around us. Uh, we've really been giving, given five different senses. Uh, you know, we can, we can taste, we can feel, we can smell, we can hear, we can see. And with all of those, uh, we have this um, ability to reason or, or make decisions. 
right? A lot of other creatures on earth that can do that, but God created man to do that. Yet it's fascinating that although those are some of the most tremendous things out of God's creation here on earth, we're also limited. Man is limited only to the, the taste that is placed in his mouth. He's limited to only the smell that is within close proximity, unless you have COVID. He, is, he can only feel that which he comes in contact with, right? How about you can hear a thunderstorm from several miles away, but some stuff is lost in the process. And how about one of the most fascinating senses, sight? We can see the moon and stars from a million miles away, but we can't see the very germs on the glasses on our face. As brilliant as a man in our thinking and in our rationale, we're severely limited by the understanding um, of really all the information that's in this world. Yet God, in his wisdom, didn't leave us powerless through this process. And it's, you know, just because we have these overwhelming limitations, he provided us uh, a remedy to these great defects, and he provided faith. And faith really bridges that gap between man's limitations and man's potential. Faith limits the gaps between the visible and invisible world. And um, faith bridges that gap between the known and the unknown. And listen again to how the Bible defines faith here in Hebrews 11. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If we look at that word substance, in the Greek it means of essence or nature, uh, the essential nature or essence of something. And of something is our hope, right? Let me put it this way. Think, okay, so we're planning on building a building over on our new property, okay? Part of the steps in building that building is to put together, with the architect and an engineer get together, put some drawings together known as blueprints, right? Those blueprints are taken, and the hope of those blueprints is by the time construction workers get their hands on those, there's going to be a building that's steady, stable, and not going to fall over, right? It's going to have a firm foundation. But the, the cool thing that we see in, in blueprints is it's really the essence of what we hope for, Right? We, we hope that there's going to be a building at the end of this. Here's, here's the drawing of it. And that's the evidence of what we don't yet see because as construction workers haven't built it. That's just like, like uh, faith, right? And that faith is God's plan for the Christian life. If we look at the second half of the verse, it says faith is the evidence of things not seen. That evidence in the word means a proof. It means that um, which is proved or tested. It can also mean that of a conviction. You know, think, think of it this way. You wake up in the morning, you open your curtains, you shut your curtains, you go back to bed. You get up, you open your curtains and realize, I do need to get up. And you look outside, your car's wet, the gravel's wet, the grass is wet, the road is wet, everything's wet. But we didn't see it rain, but the evidence is there that it rained, right? Same thing. I go into the forest on a fall day. I sit down on the forest floor, close my eyes, and I hear the, the rustling of the leaves or the whistle blowing through the branches of the tree. What's the evidence there? The evidence is there's some wind or something super spooky. I need to get out of the forest, 
right? So I may not directly see what's happening, but there's evidence that causes me to know what happened. And so faith is that assurance and the proof of things, even though we cannot see them. It is not enough to simply understand what faith is. Guys, we need to understand what the power of faith is. And as discussed in the beginning, I think even as humans with all, you know, these limited senses and we're handicapped by our limitations, due to the gift of faith, we must use and accept it. And that's our assurance. And we have the power to overcome those limitations. You know, faith gives, gives us that power to see the unseen. When you look through the eyes of faith, uh, we can see God. Although God's a spirit, we think, you know, I, I have the assurance that God exists. How? Well, I can see his creation. I can see how he transforms lives. I can see the future things promised by God. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. I want to say that again. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. Now, faith also gives me the, the power to hear the unheard. You know, through faith, uh, we can hear the voice of God. And as you know, I have three young kids. And uh, I was thinking this thought was really exceptionally hard and still is to teach to my kids. As I, I think mature Christians in here, we can say, you know, uh, we can take something to the Lord. We can ask the Lord. We can uh, ask the Lord to speak to us. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I sit down with my kids and I try to teach them, hey, take that to the Lord, give that to the Lord, ask God to help you with that, you know what they look at me and say? Dad, I can't hear God speak back. Right? He doesn't talk back to me. Well, you talk back to me, but God doesn't talk back to you. So, you know, I think it's, we don't hear God in this audible voice, um, but, you know, we have God speaks in this still small voice. God speaks through our circumstances. God speaks through godly counsel in our lives. God speaks through the word of God, the Bible. Faith doesn't just allow us to hear the unheard. Faith gives us the power to do the unbelievable. In Philippians 4.13, Paul believed this, said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You know, there's a man who walked through the desert, thirsty. And he's making his way through the desert on the end of his life because he is going to die of dehydration when he comes upon a shack. In this shack in the middle of the desert, he goes in. And the only thing he can do is just take a breather from the beating sun that's been down upon him. And as he looks around the room, he notices a pump coming up through the floor of that shack. And he goes to it thinking, hey, there might be water. And he's pumping that, right? Most of you are like, faucets go like this. Pumps go like this, okay? Judy will tell you about it later. So pumps go like this. So he's sitting there pumping it, but nothing's coming out. Discouraged, thirsty, he knows he must continue on his journey. As he looks around the room, looking for anything he might take with him, he notices a jug of water. And on that jug of water, it says, you have to prime the pump with all the water in this jug. Please fill the jug back up before you leave. Well, the dilemma occurs. If he dumps all of this water down the pump to prime it, 
this water that could save his life and allow him to continue on his journey to find safety. If he dumps all this water down the pump to prime it and it doesn't work, he's in a, he's in a dilemma, right? But what he does is he, he decides to go for it. He dumps that water and he begins to pump. A couple drops come out. Splash comes out, right? Pretty soon, it's just a steady flow of water coming out, right? And so he's now able to have all the water he wants pumping from this pump, but it took all the water from this jug. And as he followed the instructions on the jug when he was done, it said, remember the instructions say you have to prime the pump with all the water, P.S. What does it tell him to do? Please fill the jug back up. Well, he feels like he needs to add another P.S. on here. So he says, P.S., believe me, it really works. You have to give it all away before you can get anything back. Because I think that's how missions and faith promise giving can go. It's a step of faith. It's trusting or finding insurance and things that we cannot see. It's believing what we cannot see. And I think many times we look at missions and we see that we can give this predetermined amount because it's what we have in the budget. We can give this predetermined amount because it's safe. But faith says that we have a mission in front of us and God has given us the evidence and we're struggling to see what is ahead, what's going to happen. But faith says, pour all you got into that well and trust that God will follow through. So I want to end with some things to ponder here tonight. Let's go ahead and uh, bow our heads. I want to ask you a few questions. Just just some thought-provoking as we think about missions here is, are you driven by the love of Christ or are you stuck thinking about missions as a duty? Are you meeting God's call to either be a goer or a sender? Are you taking a face step? Or are you that person that's staying in that safe zone because it's something you can't see or something that you can't necessarily control? And are you debating on priming the pump because you're unsure of the outcome? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.